while ago I was at the Gap, and I was looking for a shirt, and so I found one that I liked, I went into the dressing room and tried it on. You ever have this thing happen where you go into a store and you see the shirt on the mannequin, and then you try it on and it doesn't look the same? It's like the most annoying thing ever. So I'm still wearing the shirt, and I walk out to find someone that works at this store who likes people who like to torture us. And so I say to the girl, I say, why is it that this shirt doesn't look like this shirt? And so then she kind of gives me this look like, how am I going to explain to this delusional man that he has a different body shape than a mannequin? Um, and so I, I say, listen, I'm not talking about the size, but you can you can see, obviously, that this shirt on the mannequin is more of like a V cut deal. And this this shirt that I'm wearing is more like a UPS truck uh, shape. And, you know, that, that there, something's wrong there. And it was there that the lies of the gap were exposed. I looked behind the mannequin, and you know what I found? A bunch of pins. Pinning the shirt back, making it look like the kind of shirt we'd actually want to buy, as opposed to the kind of shirt that most of us own. Uh, and the, my frustration was is that, you know, it, it, it's so annoying and that I actually I was so bothered by that that I said, you know what, I'm not even buying it. As much as I like the shirt, I'm not even buying it. So I went across the way in the mall to express for men, by the way, uh, just I just like to make that known. And um, so I go into express. And you know what I found is that the, the shirt on the mannequin and the shirt that you try on is, is pretty close. In fact, what it is, and this is the thing that's so important, like there was no bunches out, you know, like this all this extra material. Like, what are you going to do with all this extra? You, know, you can make like a napkin out of all the extra material that's there. And, you know, the thing that's. That's so important is, and here's the thing that, that really it comes down to is, all of us are looking to a model to tell us a little something about maybe what to wear. But even in life, all of us are looking to a model as far as what to do, who to be, and where it is that we want to go in life. All of us are looking to a model, and whether we realize that all of us are following one. People who've gone before us, hoping that as we watch them, that if we do what it is that they do, that we'll find ourselves... Check it out. So important that we'll find ourselves becoming who it is that they are. Not exactly, but it is what it is that they've done, their successes, uh, their family, maybe their career, whatever. All of those things. And so all of us are looking for different models in our lives. We're looking for different models as to how to be a better parent. Some of us are looking for different models as to how to, maybe as adults, how to be a better, uh, you know, son or, or daughter. We're looking for a better model as far as um, our, our careers as an employer or as an employee. We're looking for a, a better model to be a husband or wife, to be a better man, a better woman. And, and the deal is this, is that finding the right model is not as easy as it sounds. You see, as a guy, um, if you grew up without a dad or you grew up without like a really good model for a dad, what you find is, is that you're kind of searching like, what is a good model for a dad? Well, what is a good model for being a man? And now you kind of you're kind of wondering. Right. And so whether you realize it or not, if you didn't have a dad or you grew up without a really good dad, what you found was this is that whether it was TV, whether it was movies, whether it was a teacher or your friends or a conglomeration of or a mix of all th of all of those, you were formulating for yourself what a man really is. And see, when you didn't have a good model, you just kind of make it up as you go along. 
You see, my generation, what's called Generation X or, uh, you know, the, the buster generation, whatever you want to call us. Um, my generation, 55% of my generation and much of, of, of your, our generation grew up without a dad at home. And you know what that means? That means that there's this entire generation of men that don't really know what it means to be a man. And like I said before, if you don't know what it means to be a man, you just kind of make it up as you go along. And that's why many of us, here's what we've done. We've connected ourselves, for whatever reason, to the wrong model of a man. Uh, I was reading Men's Health recently, and they had this list of the 49 most influential men of 2009. And so I was very interested in this. This is based on a survey of their 7 million or so online readers. And here was the, the, what they believed in 2009, the most influential man was Don Draper from the show Mad Men. Now, that's a weird thing. I don't know if you've ever seen the show Mad Men, um, but uh, I, I, don't, I saw a few episodes. I didn't particularly like it, but um, it, the, the premise of the show is pretty interesting. But here's the thing that's weird about this guy being the most influential man in 2009. First thing that's weird, he's a fictional character. That's like saying Donald Duck is the most influential person. You know, fictional people probably shouldn't make the list. But regardless, um, if you've ever watched the show, this is a guy who's good at what he does career wise. But then as you watch the show, you realize that he's also he's married and his marriage isn't that good. He's got a couple of kids that he doesn't spend time with and he's having an affair on the side. And this is the guy that we believe is the most influential man, according to several million men who who actually participated in this survey. They believe this is the most influential man uh, in, in America in 2009. Number five on the list, Simon Cowell. Yeah, because that's that's what we want to train guys to do. Just talk like that. You'll be just fine. You know, you'll never get into a fight. Uh, number six on the list, Michael Jackson, because that's how we want kids to turn out. Uh, you know, and it's like it's just so weird, you know, and, and the thing is this, we're whether we realize it or not, all of us, all of us men are following a model as to who we believe to be a man or not. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is, where is this model leading us? Where is this person taking us? Because it could be that they're leading us somewhere that we don't want to go. And if we, but if we hook ourselves to the right model, it'll lead us to the place where we ultimately do want to go. A couple of months ago, my wife and I were uh, at Disney World. Uh, we took my daughter and my young son um, to Disney for a couple of days. And as we were there, one day we decided not to go to the parks and we just stayed at the hotel because they had a pretty cool pool there. So um, now the thing about this hotel is I don't know what the deal was. I mean, it was a fairly large hotel, but man, it was impossible to get around. I mean, I walked in and I got lost getting to the lobby, like right when I checked in. So this is the kind of thing that you're dealing with. Um, I had to go downstairs for something. I had I ended up I don't even know some weird area like act, you know employees only, and there am I in the middle. You know, it was really weird. So I'm getting everywhere I went. I got lost in the, in this uh, in this hotel. And so the one morning we woke up and said we're going to go to the pool. And I said, all right, you know, care, follow me. Let's go. And uh, so we've got, you know, Mia's got her gear on and the floaties and, you know, so she's kind of like walking weird, you know, and she's got all the floaties and all that stuff. And then, you know, my son Alexander's in the stroller. And so Carrie and I are ready. So we're marching. And I say, just follow me. I know exactly where I'm going. And she's thinking like, Bob, maybe we should ask somebody because we um, we've gotten lost everywhere. Like we've had to ask someone to get to back to our room every time we've been here. This is like this is like an impossible maze. And I said, well, don't worry. I know exactly where we're going. So I start making these twists, turns, you know, I, I just all of this. And she's like, are you sure? Are you sure? I mean, yeah, I know exactly where I'm going. And so finally I make my way and we show I'm like, look, there's the pool right there. My wife is stunned. 
She's like, you are the smartest man in the world. And I say, yes, I am. And I mean, and, and she says to me, she says, now, did you ask someone last night? How did you know where the pool was? I said, well, I don't know if you noticed, but like 20 feet ahead of us, there was this guy holding an inflatable alligator. I just followed him because I just figured the only place you'd take an inflatable alligator is to a swimming pool, unless he has a season pass also. I mean, I guess that's possible, too. But um, but the thing is this. We're all following somebody. Now, the weird part would have been if it didn't lead me to the pool. But this is the thing that's so important. Everybody is following someone. Every man has a model for what manhood actually is. But the question that we have to ask ourselves and the thing that we want to drill down this morning on, is it a good one? Is it a model that's worth following? Because the model that we follow, just in the silly story that I told you, will determine where it is that we end up. That's why when Jesus called his disciples, that's why when Jesus calls you and me, what does he say? Two words. He says, follow me. The reason he says, follow me is because there's a place that you're going to end up and where you end up really matters. And in the place that you end up, it's what you become along the way that's going to matter. It's when the Apostle Paul, and you'll see it in your notes, when he's talking to the Corinthian church and they're having some confusion about what it means and what I'm supposed to do. Here's what he says. Follow my example as I also follow the example of Christ. The idea is that everybody's following someone, but you've got to make sure that you're following the right someone or you're going to end up nowhere fast. You see, if I can just take the illustration a little bit further, the person that we're following is holding this inflatable alligator, but the inflatable alligator is something, right? Is it, it's a better life? It's what does it really mean to be a man? It's how to get, you know, a girl. It's how to raise kids. It's how to have a successful career and, and all of this. And so because they're, they're holding this seemingly, we're following them and asking the question, saying they've got, to have, they've got to have the right thing because they have what I want. And then the question is, as we get a little closer, is, is it really? Or do we find out that the alligator ends up being meaningless sex, a broken home, hurt kids, wasted potential, an unfocused life that leads to a wasted life? Or does it result because of the character, the quality, and the content of the man in which we're following? Does it lead to a life where we not only get to where it is that we want to be, but we become the people that God wants us to become? Because, man, God wants us to be a man of God. And I'm not talking about, I know we use that term man of God in the, in the sense of pastors and priests and rabbis and things like that. But that's not how the Bible considers a man of God. A man of God is someone who follows Jesus. A man of God is someone who has committed themselves to a life of following the Lord and obeying his commandments and becoming the person that God wants them to become. In the book of Proverbs chapter 20 verse 6. We'll come back to this verse again, but I just I love this verse so much. He says, most men will proclaim his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? You see, today we're going to spend our time talking about God's model for manhood. And it's found throughout the book of Proverbs. And the reason that's the case is because the book of Proverbs is written in a style like a father writing to a son. That's why over a dozen times in Proverbs, just from chapters 1 to 6, and many more times after that, but over a dozen times in chapters 1 through 6, the, the, the writer Solomon says, My son, my son, obey the commandments of your father. My son, heed the, the, the instructions of your mother. All, all of this, it's a father telling his son what a godly man looks like and what a godly man is supposed to act like. Listen, if you grew up without a dad, 
you'd be so glad that you're here. If you grew up with your dad, but your dad was not a Christian, then listen, this message is for you and you should be glad that you're here. If you're here and you don't have kids or you do have kids or you want to have kids, listen, you want to take notes and be glad that you're here. Listen, if you're here and you're a girl and you're not married, listen, thank God that you're here. And I want you to take as many notes as you can. And here's why. Because the decision that you make. The decision that you make of the person that you're going to marry is the most important earthly decision you're going to make in your entire life. Because this message is going to give for you a framework of the kind of man that you should look for and not settle for anything less. Like I said, the passage, many proclaim their goodness, but a faithful man who can find. You see, and so we're going to begin. This is Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to spend our time looking throughout this chapter. But we're going to see what a faithful man what a godly man, what a man of God looks like in these verses. Let's start in verse 1 of Proverbs 3. It says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your hearts keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and men. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. The fear of the fear of the Lord and depart from evil and it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. If you pause there and give me your attention, if you're following in the notes that we gave you, I hope that you are. We want to give you uh, three points, if you will, three markers, three distinctives of a man of God. And here's the first one is that a, uh, this model man, this man, a man of God. Here's what he does. He walks with God that you would think that that would be. Oh, isn't that so basic? No, it's, it's really not. And here's why. What I, what I mean is, is that he doesn't just talk a good game. But instead, his actions and his words are connected. His, not only are his words speak to his commitment to God, but his actions speak of his commitment to God as well. Because we all hate when we talk to someone and they talk a good game, but we find out that they're living a completely different way. Uh, Pastor Mark was telling me a long time ago, uh, probably about two years ago, that he called his satellite dish company. And they were having some, he was having some problems with his TV. And so he was talking to the customer service person. And then the, he, um, the, the customer service person helped him figure out his problem. And then he said to her, he said, well, how do you deal with this problem at home? And she says, I don't know. I have cable. And it's like, hold on. You work for a dish company. And yet, you have, there, isn't there a problem with that? You know, and, 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 it's, the weir- and it's a weird thing. And, and that's the thing that we don't want that. That's the kind of man you want to look for is somebody who's, you know, talking one way, but yet living in a very, very different way. And listen, here's how you can tell if he's really walking with God. The way you can tell he's really walking with God is this, his actions, his actions. Listen, a lot of times a guy will talk a really good game to get a girl. And I've seen it happen too many times that they'll talk a good game. And if you've been around church a while, you know, you'll talk about prayer and you'll talk, you know, you throw around like the three Bible verses that you've learned. And, you know, you've got all that. And then, you know, then you say, well, what am I going to do on the second date? Uh, I've shared everything I know. And then, you know, you got and you say all of that. Right. He starts attending church really regularly to, to impress her. And then he gets her and then you don't see him anymore. So here's here's what I encourage you to do, girls. Watch him. 
he's interested in you, maybe you're interested in him, here's what I encourage you to do. Watch him. And watch him for a while. Watch him for a while to see if his actions now match his words. If his commitment to God, if his commitment to God is real, let me tell you something. There's going to be three things in his life that are so important. Three things in his life. Three evidences of a man who walks with God. It's in your notes. Here's the first one. According to these ten verses that we just read. The first is this, that he is respected by others. That's what we read in verse 4. Did you notice that? It says, and so find favor. You see, when you don't, when you let not mercy and truth forsake you, but you hold on to mercy, you hold on to truth in your life, here's what it says. You'll so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and men. Now, isn't that interesting? Listen, I think every woman I've ever talked to says, I want to marry a man that I can respect. Every man says, I want to be a person who is respectable, that people can look up to. No, no, I've never talked to a guy who says, yeah, I'd be fine being the village idiot. You know, no girl says, you know, if he's just kind of a dummy, that's all right. No, no, no. Instead, we set higher standards for ourselves. And that's and that's a good thing. In fact, the Bible says this. And and next week, we're going to spend our time talking to the girls, talking about Proverbs 31. But here's what I want to share with you. Um, In Proverbs 31, verse 23, listen to what it says. It says, her husband is respected at the city gate and where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. You see, girls, and we're going to talk about this in in a little more depth next time. But here's the thing that's important. One of the marks of a godly woman is that she chooses well. It's not just that she's godly, but instead, when she's looking for the person to spend the rest of her life with, here's what she does. She chooses well. She chooses a person, this godly man, and then you know you find out that this godly man is like one of the most respected men in the entire city. Not only is he respected by others, but here's another thing, that another evidence. Number two in your notes is that he waits on God. He waits on God. In the, in, I, many of you have heard these famous verses in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. See, in all your ways, acknowledge him. That's kind of like the transitional phrase in that passage. Because trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. That's like, okay. But we can say we're doing that. But it's in that first part of verse 6 where he says, acknowledge him in all your ways. And he will direct your path. That's when you really know. Like, what does it mean to acknowledge God in, in, in all of your ways? In fact, that word could be translated, uh, that, that, that Hebrew word, yada, Y-A-D-A, could be translated to know. Know God in all your ways. Now, l- let me kind of explain what that means. Um, you ever had this when you were a kid? You, let's say you were out with some friends and your friends wanted, you know, to... Um, Let's say they were, you know, like when I was a kid, like riding your bike was everything. You'd ride your bike everywhere. Well, my mom had set up for me like certain boundaries. Like I couldn't go past this street. I couldn't go beyond, you know, this landmark or whatever. And so when they, when my friends were saying, hey, we're going to go beyond that, like a mile or two and go up here. And, and here's what would happen is they say, you want to go? And I'd say, no, I can't. And, uh, and, and they say, well, well why? I say, well, you know, I know that I could ask my mom, but I know that she's going to say no, so I can't go. Do you know what that is? That's me knowing my mom in all my, way, in all my ways. It's knowing her so that knowing her, what her desire was and plan for me at the ages of 10 and 11, that now began to mold and shape the decisions that I made. 
when you know God, when you acknowledge God in all of your ways, it's not just saying, yeah, God, I know that you're there. I'm going to do whatever I want. It's when it's when you bring God into the decision making process and say, what does God want? Well, God does not want me to go beyond here. And so here's what I do. I don't go beyond there. That's how you know you have a man. That's how you know you are a man that truly is someone who's seeking to follow and know God. Is that when God sets the boundary, you're not trying to test what it's like on the other side. You're not trying to dance on the line to see, well, can I flirt with this and still not, not get burned? Instead, what you do is you say, this is where God has set the line. And I'm going to live with that line. I'm not going to argue with it. I'm not going to try to bend it. I'm not going to try to reshape it. I'm not going to try to figure out, is that really what it means in the Hebrew? I'm just going to realize that that's really what it is. And then I'm going to and I'm going to acknowledge that. And that's going to shape and mold my life and the man that I become, the man that we become and girls, the man that you want to marry and spend your life with. Here's the third thing that he does. The third is he gives to God. That's what he says in verse nine. That's what he says, talks about trusting God with all of your heart. But then in verse nine, it says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty. And so your vats will overflow with new wine. What is he talking about? He says, you honor the God with the honor God with the first part of your possessions. That refers to tithing. That's talking about giving 10 percent of your income to God. What does that speak of? Now, I know that that might sound radical to some, but you know that that's basic Christianity. It's, at, it's like at, I mean, that's like ground level. Like right above, like praying, you know, I mean, it's like right there. It's, it's totally basic. And the reason why that's so important is, is that when if, if, if you meet a guy and you like him and then you talk to him and then you start, maybe it gets a little more serious and then you find out, well, you know, do you honor God with your finances? Well, no. Also, you just hoard everything that God's given you and keep it for yourself. Well, I wouldn't say that. Well, that's what the Bible would say. The Bible calls that greed. The Bible calls it not recognizing the one who actually gave you the Ability, the strength, the energy, the intelligence to be able to do the job that you have that earns the money that you make to be able to provide for the lifestyle that you currently have. You see, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 14 that the whole purpose of tithing is to teach you to put God first in your life. Girls, listen to me. If, a, if, you, if, you're, if you're with a guy and you find out that this guy is not generous and, and returning to God what is rightfully his according to the Bible, here's what you want to do. You want to get out of there. Because if this guy won't do the basics of what it means to follow Jesus, listen, he's a long way from the man that you want him to be. And you'd say, hey, you know, maybe we like each other, but you need to grow and you need to grow up in your faith before we can do uh, before we can go any further than here. And listen, is this all that a man of God who walks with God does? No. But I'll tell you this. When you look at his actions, it's a good start to see if he's for real. Is he respected by other people? Because, you know, God does that. When a person gets serious about their commitment and relationship to God, God infuses them with wisdom if they commit themselves to the word of God. They wait on God. They realize that, that God's way is better than my way. And as they have some history walking with God, they realize instead of being hasty, if I wait on God, it'll work out better. And then they give to God. And they express their maturity by their generosity and their faithfulness to him. Well, Solomon continues in verse 11. Same words, my son. He says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, his, the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her... 
proceeds are, her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all that you may desire that cannot compare with her. Length of days are in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. You pause there and give me your attention. Here, here's the second thing that's important, the second characteristic. Number one, we said the man of God walks with God. The second is this, the man of God learns from God. He learns from God. That is, he sees spiritual growth as an absolute necessity and the most important thing in his life. Most of you know, if you've been around here for any length of time, that I became a Christian at the age of 19, which was four years ago. Um, uh, well, I became a Christian at 19, and when I became a Christian, I had only read one book in its entirety in my entire life at that time. And some of you know that it was a biography on the life of Madonna, um, which just, I know sounds weird, and many of you would not have pegged me for a material girl. Um, but, but here's the thing that happened is that I gave my life to Jesus and you know what happened? I'm telling you, not only did God save me, but God like traded my brain out for a new one, you know, cause I looked back and before I was a Christian and I was an idiot and, and, and then, you know, and I started making some right decisions after I became a Christian and I, and I look on, and I say, I don't think I'm really the same person that I was back then. And God began to change my life. And not only that, I mean, I was a horrible student in school. But once I started reading the Bible, I had an insatiable desire to learn of God. And I wanted to know him. And not only that, but I just couldn't get enough. And I'd find a book that would help me understand the Bible and I'd read it. And I couldn't believe how fast I was reading. Because that one book that I read before, that biography on Madonna's life, which was like, I don't know, 300 pages, took me more than six months to read. I mean, think, six months to read a 300 page. That's like a half a, that's like a paragraph a day. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's really sad. Um, and, and the thing is this, is that I, I just had this burning desire to know God. And I'm telling you that, this, that one of the markers, I started listening to teachings. I remember this was before, like, MP3 players and all that. I used to have this storage bin, like these big, like, Tupperware kind of things, in my car, full of cassettes. That I would just trade out. And I mean, in my garage to this day, I don't even know why I still have them because I don't even own a cassette player. Um, but in, in my garage, I have these huge boxes full of like, I don't know, I probably have like two, three thousand cassettes in my garage that I still have no idea what you can do with. But if you make me a good offer, I will listen. Um, uh, but and so here's the thing. Now, this is the thing that, that's important. Is that I'm not saying that, you know, you, you, you've got to do what I do and read 150 books a year or whatever. You have to do that. But what I am saying is this. You do have to have that a person, a, a man of God, here's what he has. Here's the deal. His desire to grow spiritually is so strong that he has a bent towards learning because he realizes he's not going to grow unless he is learning. And he realizes the, the way in which he does learn. And his desire for learning is so strong. That it almost seems to overtake everything else. You see, in 1 Peter chapter 2, let me read it to you. It says this, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that, you have taste, that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Now let me explain kind of what that means. I have a son that is going to be three months old this week. And the thing is this. 
He's three months old, and when he has a desire for milk, when he's hungry, it overtakes everything else in his life. I mean, he could be having a good time, laughing, but when he gets hungry, he starts letting you know. And then if you don't, like, act on it immediately, he starts letting you know a, a little bit more seriously until he starts screaming bloody murder that, he, you know, somebody get me some milk and get it now. And that's the deal. And listen, in the same way that my son craves milk and will do anything to get it, here's what a man of God does. He says, I want to grow in my faith and I want to grow to maturity. And that's the most important thing in my life. Listen, if you're a Christian and you want to be a man of God, here's the thing. Is that there needs to be a hunger for the word of God. Oh, well, I don't like to read. You may want to jot this down. Two words. Ready? Too bad. All right. Too bad. You got to do it and you got to read anyway. And here's the reason why. Guys, here's the reason why. Is because the day that you get married and the day that you have children, God is holding you responsible for their spiritual well-being and development. That means that you, men, you are the pastor of your home. You're the priest of your home. And your responsibility is now to make sure that your kids, that your wife, that your family is growing in their relationship with God. And if they have questions, the person to not call is the pastor. The person that they're supposed to call is you. Yeah, but what if I don't know? Then you call me. You call the church office and talk to someone on staff. You talk to your small group leader and try to figure out. You buy a book or two on hard questions that people ask about the Bible. And you know what you're going to find? Listen, these questions that stump you and you're like, I can't, I hate when people ask me those questions that I don't know. Let me tell you what those questions are. The best thing that could ever happen to you. Because those questions are the thing that propel us and push us to grow, to become the men that God wants us to be. Guys, listen to me. Please listen to me very carefully. God is displeased. God is displeased when a wife has to push her husband to come to church. That is not God's design. You know, in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, You know what happened. You know the story of Adam and Eve and the fruit and the serpent and all of that. But you know what the tragedy of that was and why the curse came the way it did and why God said to Eve, your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you is because when God asked Adam, where are you and what happened? He God or Adam said this. It's the woman that you gave me. Basically, this whole thing happened. He said, God, it's your fault. And if it's not my fault, then it's her fault. But it's certainly not my fault. And if it's my fault, then I'm at least third or fourth in line because the serpent's got to be involved in there somewhere. So I'm fourth. So there's got to be all that blame that goes around. And I'm just a victim of being at the wrong place at the wrong time. And here's what God says. He says this. He says to the woman, your, your desire is going to be to rule over him, but he will rule over you. Why does he say that? Because God's a chauvinist? No, because he, he's not only giving man the responsibility and the authority, but he's giving him the accountability to say, guess what? You're in charge. Woohoo! But you know what? You're also accountable to me. Guys, God takes how we lead our families very seriously. We cannot shirk the responsibility. We cannot say that it doesn't matter because we will never live the lives that we want to live. We're going to get to the end of our lives and realize I completely blew it. If we don't acknowledge the fact that God is the one. 
that has given us this accountability, this responsibility, and this authority to shepherd and lead our families the way he wants us to, to, to lead us. And we can't do that if we don't find ourselves in this book and find ourselves spending time with him, find ourselves growing in our faith, and listen, being a person that learns from God. Ladies, listen to me very carefully. This is so important. You want the kind, to, to marry the kind of man, the kind of man that you can say, I can trust him to lead our family. Not, I know that every Sunday for the rest of our lives, I'm going to have to push, poke, prod, and have to convince him to get out of bed to come to church. Listen, that's not the kind of person that you want to marry. Because, and if you don't believe me, ask around. I'm sure you'll run into to some ladies that, that, that are doing that. And here's what they will say. It's nothing that you want. You see, that's why. Here, here, let me give you something real practical. You're here if you're single. Good for you. Um, but if you're single, here, here's the thing that's really important. Here's what you do. And you say, All right, that, that, look at that guy. He's cute. I kind of like him. Here's what you find out. Um, does he come regularly to church? No. Run. Does he bring his Bible? No. Run. Oh, no, no, no. I, I use the little notes. This is okay. Listen, let me tell you something about these notes. These notes are a supplement, not a substitute. Oh, now you got me started. All right. Let me tell you something. Um, I, I've done hundreds of funerals uh, over my years as, as a pastor. Um, and one of the things that I ask when I meet someone um, whose family member has passed away, and I say, would you um, give me the honor of being able to spend a, a, a couple of days with their Bible? And, um, you know, if the person was a Christian, they'll say, sure, and they'll give me their Bible. And, and if the, the funeral, the memorial service is a day or two later, one of the things that I like to do as I'm preparing the message that I'm going to share is I like to read the verses from their Bible. I like to prepare and look at the verses from their Bible. I look through the pages and see what verses are underlined and highlighted, what little dates are noted next to those verses when God spoke to them and made them a promise, and they wrote the date down so they'd never forget. And these things that happened in their lives in, in those opening pages that are just blank, that they wrote some things. And all those things that are so important. And, and, and I look through that and listen, it's such a rich time. When I can stand up as a pastor and say, this is your loved one's Bible, and I want to read you some, some verses, some favorite verses that they have. Now, let me tell you why I'm, I'm so strong about this. It's because I have two kids at home, and I have a little girl that's going to be three years old in a couple of months, and someday, and ever since she was born, I have prayed for the man that she's going to marry. Every day of her life, I've prayed for the man that she's going to marry. And... Um, I'm going to say this without crying. Um, and as I prayed for the man that she's going to marry, one of the things that I, I've thought is that the day that I meet him, one of the things I'm going to ask him for, so I'm going to say, I want you to show me your Bible. And as he, as he shows me his Bible, you know what I, what I desire and long to see? What I desire to see are some underlines and some highlights and some markings, and some dates, and some verses, and some notes, and some things where God was speaking to him because he is a man that not only walks with God, but he's a man that learns from God. And someday that I'm going to be able to give my daughter away to him. I'm going to be able to say that this is a man that she can trust. 
Because not only have I seen that his Bible is marked, but I've seen how his life has been marked by the Bible. My friends, that is the man that you want to marry. Men, that is the man that you want to be. You want to be that man. What does the guy look like? Here's what he does. Number one, it's there in your notes. Number one, he receives correction. It says that in, in, in verse 12 or verse 11 of the notes. It says, do, my son, do not despise the Lord's chastening because the people that because those that God chastens, that is those that God disciplines, he, he, he corrects those that he loves. And so the person that God That is, this person is not a know-it-all. He actually receives correction from God. He's strong enough to lead, but at the same time, he's open to what the Spirit of God is speaking into his life. At the same time, he's not open. He receives correction. The second is he desires instruction. And that's what we read in verses 13 to 16, that he's like, I want to get wisdom. Because if I get wisdom, I know that it has more value than anything else. And that's why, guys, here's why it's so important for you to recognize what kind of learner you are. Not if you are a learner or not, but what kind of learner you are. Say, well, I'm not a a guy who's going to read 100 books a year. That's fine. Your car should be filled to the brim. Your iPod should be packed full of teaching, audio books, and anything else that will cause you to learn and grow in your relationship with God. Because you're going to have to lead yourself, you're going to have to lead your wife and your kids into this growing relationship with Jesus. And as you do, and as you do, you're going to need to grow. You're going to need to be one step ahead. And then number three, he gains satisfaction. Did you notice what he says in verse 18? I'll read it to you again. It says, she's a tree of life to those who take hold of her, that is wisdom. And happy are all who retain her. This is a guy who is, has joy in his life. Ladies, let me speak to you specifically for a second. Do not get involved with an angry man. Do not get involved with an angry man. Do not get involved with an angry man because, listen, this is a person who has absolutely no control over his emotions. You see, any man that is prone to anger, any man who believes that in a fit of rage that hitting a woman at some point is okay, listen, that is no man. And that is a man you want to steer clear of. A man who hits a woman is not a man. A man who hits a woman is a little boy in a grown man's body having a temper tantrum trying to pick on people who are bigger than him, that he's bigger than. And you don't want to be anywhere near that person. You know what the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is? In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, there's nine things, but one of them is this, self-control. A man who cannot control himself, can, cannot control his emotions, you don't want anything to do with him. And here's the reason why. The Bible calls that man a fool. And you do not want to be around a fool. The Bible says this in Proverbs 29, 11. It says a fool vents, uh, gives full vent to his anger. But a wise man keeps himself under control. In Proverbs 22, 24, do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. You want, to, um, you want a man and you want to be a man whose first priority is to becoming the man that God has called him to be. His third characteristic of a man of God, here's what he is. Number three, he's faithful to God. He's faithful to God. 
to God. Now, what do I mean by that? That he's faithful to God. That is, that what's happening on the outside is the same thing that's happening on the inside. That his outer life is reflecting what's happening in his inner life. That's what it's really all about, about being faithful, about being upright. That's another translation of that that could be, that, that could be said, that this is a man who is upright. That we can have the facade of one thing, but instead be living something completely different. Uh, I have a friend whose wife told him that he needed to go on a diet. And uh, so he, his wife started cooking for him all of this healthy food. And as she did, one of what she didn't realize, and I knew him pretty well, and so I knew what he was doing because he, well, he told me, um, was that every, as he left the office, every night before he went home, he went to McDonald's. And he ate a Big Mac, fries, and a large Coke. Because the, wife, the food his wife was making him was horrible. And so he was eating the Big Mac, the fries, and the Coke. This is every day. And then he was going home, and he was just like picking at food a little bit. He's like, I don't know, I just... I guess the diet must be working. I don't have an appetite. And I remember his wife talking to me and saying, you know, he's doing so well. I mean, he, he's not complaining about the food that I'm giving him. And, and he's, he's, you know, he, 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 just, he's great. He's not complaining. You know, he's, he, he's doing this with me. And I, and I knew the truth. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it's, he's really just gone over the bridge. Some might say he's gone over the arch. Really, arches. Um, and so we're listening, you know, we're listening to that, right? And, and so uh, he, he does that. And so after two weeks of this, here's what happens. Um, he's, his wife, you know, they step on the scale. And his, you know, his wife had lost a couple of pounds and he had like gained five. And he's like, you know, what happened? He's like, well, honey, I guess diets just don't work for me. You know, I mean, uh, you want me to get in shape? I'm going to get in shape. Apparently round is my shape and that's it. You know, and, 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 that, and that was it. And. I don't know if she knows the truth to this day. I guess she will if she hears this. But, um, but here, here's the thing, you know, and this, is, this was so important. Before we judge him too harshly, we've all done this to one degree or another. That we've created a facade and something that's what's happening inside is actually very different than what's happening on the outside. But, you know, the weird thing is this, is that eventually it begins to creep out. Just like you can't go to McDonald's every day and not expect to put on a couple, even if you're the only one who sees it. In the same way, a person who's faithful to God, here's what, he, here's what happens. is that if he has just the facade, it won't last. But a person who internally has decided that he's going to be faithful to God, here's what happens. His life begins to reflect it. His life begins to reflect it. You know, in these verses, that, in verses 19 to 35, we're not going to read all of them. But you know what's amazing to me is that a person who's faithful to God, do you realize in these verses, he doesn't have to fear that's what he says. He says, my son, do not let them, that is, do not let wisdom depart from your eyes. Keep wisdom and discretion. There will be life to your soul and grace to your, neck, to your neck. For you will walk safely in your way. Your foot will not stumble. And when you lie down, you'll not be afraid. Yes, you'll lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror nor trouble that, of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Isn't that amazing that that's one of the, the, the fruit of being faithful to God is that you receive the blessing of faithfulness and the blessing of faithfulness uh, as opposed to fear. It's trust. The person not only does he ha not have to fear because God is with him. Read a little bit more and you'll see that he receives his reward from God in verse 27. Do not withhold good to those who it is due from when it is in your power to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. 
uh, do not devise evil against your neighbor. For he who dwells by, uh, by you for safety's sake, do not strive with a man without cause for all he has done for you. And then he says in verse 31, do not envy the oppressed or choose none of his ways for the perverse person is abomination to the Lord. But his secret counsel is with the upright. You see, when you start doing what's right, guys, you will find that God starts revealing to you the next step, the thing that you're confused about. So many times we're worried about God's will. What does God want? And here's what happens is that we don't realize that God has already told us a lot of what he wants us to do. And if we'll if we'll do what God has already said to do, then he will start revealing the stuff that God hasn't told us yet. But we've got to be faithful with what God has told us. And then lastly, we learned that in these verses, a faithful man, a man of God who's faithful to God. Here's what he does. He humbles himself before God and therefore God honors him. In verse 34, it says, surely he scorns the scornful, but he gives grace to the humble. The wise shall inherit glory, but the shame shall be the legacy of fools. You see, guys, that's the kind of man that you want to be. Once again, Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23, the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. It's faithfulness. Listen, the reason why this, I'm so passionate about this, and the reason why it's so important to me, as I mentioned, is because I have two little kids at home. And because I have two little kids at home, I know that I have a stewardship before God to train those kids to love Jesus above everything else. There's a stewardship that, that I have to train my son to be this man. To train my daughter to know how to pick this man when the time comes and be the woman that God has called her to be. Guys, you want to strive by God's grace to be this man. Because listen, it is the best possible way to live. Guys, uh, girls, you, you don't, do not, do not, do not. Listen, please, do not, do not. Do not sell yourselves short and settle for anything less than this. Because you will regret it. And instead of getting God's best, you got something else. Because, listen, when a person, when a man walks with God and learns from God and is faithful to God, it's only then that he really knows how to love a woman. Guys, the only way that your life can be everything that God created it to be is for you to take the challenge to become a man of God. And you already know what to do. I've already laid out a bunch of stuff as to what to do. And you say, well, you look at the back of this connection card, a bunch of opportunities for you to take the step and, 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 and do what it is that you need to do to become the man that God has called you to be. And here's where it begins, by putting God first. Listen, if you're here and you're a Christian and you say, listen, I haven't been this man. I've been doing something else. Then here's what I would say. Take the step. Maybe today's the day you come back to God. If you're here and you're not a Christian, maybe today's the day that you take the step to say, I'm going to come to know God because I can't be a man of God until I know him. Let's pray together. And God, we want to thank you for your word. And God, I thank you for these men. And I just pray. I pray for each of us that we would be the men that you've called us to be. Walking in humility. Walking in integrity. Walking by faith and by your grace. Lord, I pray for each woman here. 
I pray that they would choose well and be led by a man who loves her enough to love Jesus more. In Jesus' name, amen.